When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, a weekly discussion about the National Hockey League's Boston Bruins, affiliated minor teams, and prospects of tomorrow's stars. Or fights to keep it in, does, has it in the corner to Sanderson, back in front door, shot, score! Ray Bork. Score! Ray Bork from the face-off circle to the right of Reggie Lindland, firing it down, and Whitmore blew it. It bounces down to Bergeron. He takes the space, pulling it wide to the right of Tatar. The snapshot over the Rossi gets loose, and Bergeron scores. There are three ways you can support the show. We're available on Apple iTunes, SoundCloud.com, and on TheHockeyWriters.com, located in the podcast channel of the website. Now here's your hosts, Mark Allred and Rob Tomlin. Hello, Bruins fans. I'm Mark, and welcome back for episode 50 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, brought to you by Beast from the Northeast Sports Clothing Company. If you're in the market for some one-of-a-kind Boston sports designs, please go to northeastbeast.com and enter special listener promo code BLACKANDGOLD for 15% off future orders. If you're an Amazon shopper and would like to help cut the cost of running a podcast and website, please go to blackandgoldhockeyblog.com and click on the Amazon banner to the right of the screen. We would definitely appreciate the support. Now time to properly introduce co-hosts Rob Tomlin and Court Lalonde to the show. Gentlemen, how was the week? Uh, it's been good. The weather's getting better. Uh, the days are longer. It's all good. Uh, personally, it was good. But uh, as, as as we'll talk about later, maybe in the hockey sense, not so good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I saw those pictures, Rob. They look really beautiful over there. Oh, yeah. Definitely a really nice day. The first one, the first really nice day of the year, really. Excellent. Well, uh, this is episode 50, and this is a milestone for this podcast. And, and I'm really excited not only to be at 50 and with uh, 14,000 uh, listens under our belt in those 50 um, shows, but um, I'm really excited about having uh, my friend and uh, Bruins writer, Court. Uh, <laughs> Rhonda McClure. Yeah, they... uh, she's an editor in chief and uh, Bruins writer at thepinkpuck.com. You can follow her at hockeymaven1917 on Twitter. Rhonda, welcome to the Black and Gold Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm so stoked for this because uh, you're, you're technically our first writer that is uh, that makes. Um, the Bruins games uh, from the ninth level, I've waved to you um, <laughs> uh, in section six 
Um, so um, I really appreciate you taking the time and, and, and talking with us today. Um, and you're also a person that gets very close to the players, which I think is very cool. So um, can, you, uh, can you tell us a little bit of uh, your background, uh, your writing history and so on? Uh, well, as a writer, I've been writing for years and years, first as a family historian, which is uh, my day job. And uh, actually, I owe my writing on hockey to Bobby Robbins. He basically kind of gave me an, a, a virtual kick in the pants to go out and do it. Nice. Bobby Robbins, former um, uh, Providence Bruins player and resident tough guy, um, left the game early due to head, head injuries and obviously wish him well. But uh, no, that's really cool. So, uh, just just jumping right in, um, uh, this is the question I've been thinking about all week, and I want to know if you've seen the expectation levels of this Bruins team rise or fall um, recently. Obviously, with the the new coaching uh, change with uh, Bruce Cassidy now and uh, former um, head boss, head bench boss. Claude Julian, um, do you notice any any difference in the locker room when you when you're down there taking interviews? Um, I mean, obviously, when they first when it was first announced and the change first took over, there was a lot of talk about it, so it was very very in their kind of in their faces. Uh, but as far as their their accountability, they've always been accountable to themselves, calling themselves out even, you know, under Claude. So I didn't really see that so much. Okay. You guys got any questions? Uh, yeah, well, Ron, it's just more of a, a general about what you do. And I, and I know um, uh, in your field, it's, it's, it's a mainly male-dominated field. Is it still, still that way? Do you still uh, find it that? Oh, you mean as far as? like going in the locker room and interviewing and stuff yeah uh, definitely there's two or three of us that are females i will say i'm the only one who has a pink mic uh so that kind of stands out and makes me sort of a target i think uh but um i think from the player standpoint they treat you based on your questions so while you may get some flack from some of the other reporters uh, the players themselves, if you ask intelligent questions, they will answer you and treat you with respect. Nice. Is there, without giving it away, but is there certain players that you just know after certain games, just just might as well just leave them alone. They're not exactly going to be the most friendly after a game. Is there, you don't have to mention names, but is there guys on that on the team currently that every now and then you're like, yeah, just might leave them alone tonight? Uh, actually, they kind of tell us who we're going to get when okay. we get down there. They uh, they've already determined. Uh, usually, it has something to do with maybe, you know, usually the goalie is always available, uh, and then you know various players based on who did what, if there was some incident, etc. Okay. Rob, you got anything? Um, oh. Yeah, I, I was just going to ask. Um, in in past years, it seemed like there's been like groups within the Bruins players, um, but this year it seems like it's a lot more like a full team altogether. Uh, is that what you feel being in the locker room? Uh, 
I'm not sure I understand what you mean by groups. Are you talking like clicks where some guys? Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say I've noticed that over the years. I mean, I've been in the locker room now for three, four years, and I everybody who ever comes in, the first thing they always say is how inclusive the whole group is. Um, it's it's a very it's a tight knit group, tighter than some of the visiting locker rooms I've been in. I think. Uh, Rhonda, um, my my question concerns uh, goaltending. Um, Lately, I've noticed Tuka Rask has not been playing as an elite goaltender, um, and and th there might be something to do with that. But his his numbers have kind of uh, went downhill since the uh, the calendar change. Um, can I get an opinion on how you feel about uh, his play? I mean, is is he just being overworked? Do you think? I don't think he's being overworked. Um, you know, they had estimated somewhere in the 60s for his games throughout the season, and he's he's right there. Uh, but I, I do notice that because uh, he he didn't travel with the team this weekend, and they were mentioning the discomfort, I can't help wondering if whatever was bothering him at the beginning of the season might be back. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's not it's never they're never going to come out and tell you that's what's happening. But he it, they did mention discomfort again, and of course he did lose that that blade that night um what was it thursday night <laughs> yeah. and uh, i'm sure that might have you know tweaked something mm -hmm. so but i you know it's hard to tell with him because i've never considered him to be a hundred percent consistent he has great awesome games and then he have game he he has games where you're you're like is this really him um so it's sometimes hard to tell with him if it's a trend or if he's just having a moment. Uh, and I do know that he does, he has migraines, so that may play into it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's been, um, that's been written about. Um, yeah. So, and those aren't something to joke about. Um, I also noticed something. I was at the game, um, the Leaf game uh, on Monday night and he made pretty much three back to back to back saves. And then when he tried to stretch across for the fourth one, he seemed mm -hmm. to lag a bit, and then when they went into the TV timeout, he skated around a bit, like testing some, testing something out. I don't know what it is, but it seemed like he was testing something out. Yeah, and it could be one of those situations like we had back with Timmy Thomas back a few years ago where he plays through something all all season and then goes and has surgery in the offseason. You know, again, not something we'll find out until their season's over. Uh I got I I just want to talk about your um your experience on the is is it the ninth level am I getting the number right? Yeah, it's the ninth floor. Okay, uh, how is that experience? I, I'm I as as a writer myself that is not uh you know doesn't is not able to be up in the uh the the cool section as I call it. But um uh, <laughs> it, just uh can you explain what it's like and you know I mean the view is is unbelievable from the pictures that you take. And um, I'm just curious on, you know, what it's like. I have to admit I'm a little spoiled now by it. Um, the, as you said, the view is amazing. So the geometry and what you can see for the game is, is full on. So I can see things that are on the bench. I can see if they're, you know, getting their triangles set up, those types of things much easier than if I could down below. 
Uh, but I really love the fact that we have statistics handed out to us. And uh, after every, uh, you know, whether it's a goal or a penalty or a power play or whatever, there is somebody who's also letting us know, you know, the team is 0 for 4 or whatever um, on it. So that helps us to be able to know kind of like what the trend is for the game or, or if somebody's gotten their first goal or their milestone or something that helps us to be able to include the important parts in our writing. Yeah, I, I can see that, that that could be very important. Um, uh, writing on the fly. Definitely. Yeah. And, and Mark, when, when, when I come up next year, I'll, I'll get you up to the floor and uh, we'll, we'll go say hello to Rhonda while we're up there. Uh, Cause yeah, I've been up there a couple times uh, and I, find it great just to watch plays develop and it, it's just a different view to watch hockey and someone who likes hockey as much as I do it, it's tough not being down there with the fans but at the same time it's uh watching the play develop and watching you can you can see things happen you're like well that's why they did what they did and that's why that play actually turned into a goal yeah and every time the fans are all yelling shoot the puck we're up on the ninth floor saying there's no lane <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Rob, you got anything? Um, I would also love to go to the ninth floor. Not a um, problem, Rob. You just got to come across <laughs> it. Well, yeah. But um, uh, one thing I was going to ask is: is it um, like is the the special treatment towards uh, the bigger writers, um, the like Joe Haggerty's, do they get more access than someone like yourself? Uh, I would say yes. I mean, obviously they 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 rate us by by certain levels, um, so they can have certain you know one on ones that I may have to work a little harder for and things like that. Uh, but I think if you can prove yourself to be um, legit, and I don't mean legit by by standards of a blog versus a print article or something, but if you're legitimately actively working hard and asking questions and and showing up at different events and things then they begin to realize that you're not just there for the free for the free games yeah and yeah. they treat you better that's cool yeah I, i'm not sure if you know this Rhonda, but um uh co-host court uh his, his father played for the bruins in the early 80s uh his name was bobby leblonde Lalonde. oh my god Lalonde. <laughs> He's probably in my family history database of all Bruins players. Nice. I, I'm racing trees. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's why I, anytime I go to a game, I only get to see the game from the ninth floor. <laughs> but, we, but the alumni box is on the, the – um, it's at the end of the ice. It's not in the middle. Yeah. So we're we're usually behind uh, the Bruins net twice. Okay. That's where most people want to – well, are you – where the where Tuca stands twice. You you know where yeah you know where you know when you're up on the ninth floor and the uh, the the net is the Bobby Orr net. Yes. And the statue. It's the alumni box is right there. Okay, gotcha. It's kind of funny how that net is just sitting up there, not on display anywhere. And every time I walk by, I'm just like, that is a, kind of a piece of history, and it's just kind of tucked in a corner up on the ninth floor. <laughs> yeah, you know, strange things happen that way. Yeah. Uh, Rhonda, I, I, what do you feel about this team moving forward, uh, especially after the coaching change? Um, do you do you feel the the team's going to make the playoffs or or be that fringe team that they have in the past two seasons? 
Oh, God. I almost don't want to jinx them because every time I say somebody's going to go forward, they somehow don't. So I'm afraid to jinx them. But I feel like the, the drive is certainly there. Um, I think, you know, when, when the coaching change first happened and everybody was, you know, Bruce is the savior, uh, I, you and I had a little Twitter conversation and I said, you know, getting rid of Claude after 10 years could wake the dead. Um, and I feel like they are now sort of settling into a, you know, uh, they've, they've kind of maybe forgotten what it takes to, to win the games. Uh, and I actually had talked to uh, David Backus about that and asked him after the three, the three losses when they lost again, uh, on Thursday, I said, you know, does this just make you guys grip the, the stick tighter, overthink? What is it? And he talked about re-education and said that they've got to re-educate themselves as to how uh, how hard it is to win and to get back into that mindset completely. And I they, I kind of feel like they, they were sort of there last night. Uh, they made a little, still some mistakes, but they were sort of getting back into that groove. And I think that's the that's what they need. They need to, to remind themselves of how hard, hard it is to win a game. Right. I think, uh, I think David Krejci proved that they were gripping the stick a bit too hard in that game with the, oh. uh, the empty net. You're listening to the black and gold hockey podcast. You can catch our show on the hockey writers podcast channel available at the yeah, David Krejci, you know, he's he's struggled a little bit and I don't and I think he's he's totally in his head right now, I think, yeah. 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 Um I was going to ask one quick question. Uh, have you managed to interview guys like um Joe Morrow and John Michael Lyles who've sat so many games this season? And if so, w- what's the mentality like with guys like that? Uh we don't usually get to interview them when they are sitting. Uh, we might be able to get them after practices occasionally. Yeah. Um, but in past, not those two specifically, but in other cases where I've been able to interview somebody afterwards, one of the big things that they see, you know, obviously is the space, uh, which is important. Um, when you're up there, you can see why, you know, somebody's rushing a play or something because yeah. it looks like they don't have the space that they do. Uh, so it's an education tool, but it's also a motivator. Um, and I think right now in Morrow's case, they've just, there's just no place for him right now, sadly. Um, you know, and Lyle's, I think the same thing. I personally love the way that Lyle's plays. I think he brings a hundred percent heart with him and would like to see him back there. But you know, if, if everything's clicking, you sort of kind of have to not stir the pot too much. Yeah. Yeah. Right, I got two two questions for you. Uh, one is, have, have you been noticing, and I, I don't know, maybe it's just me, that for some reason the last couple of games, teams have been taking liberties at Bergeron and Pasternak, and for some reason they're having to stick up for themselves, and it's costing us penalties? I think uh, in the case of, of Pasternak, I mean, he's a speedy little guy. He's on everybody's radar, just like Marsh, Marshand is. Uh, everybody's going to try and, and kind of get in their way and get in their face. I think that after that hit on Bergeron uh, that kind of tossed him into the boards, that I think Bergeron's got to be under his bonnet right now. So he's going into things that he might not necessarily have gone into before because, you know, 
he's out there and he doesn't want them taking liberties with his teammate. Yeah, it's it seemed when I was at the game on Monday, as soon as he got hit from behind, I, I turned to my friend there. I was like, and I saw him get up and, and get in the fight. I said, oh, he's out of the game. I said, his head's out of the game. Now he's just going to be going out there, just trying to be frustrated the whole night, um, especially because no one, I just didn't get it. I see him go down and I watch everybody just stand around. And I, I understand no penalty. And that's really the first thing, if you notice, Bergeron, when he got up, he looked at the ref and saw no penalty. And that's what made him go off. Yeah, and when you consider the history that that Bergeron has with head injuries, yeah. you know that I I totally understand him first assessing that he's okay. Uh, he'd be the first one to go down the tunnel if if he wasn't. But then when there's no penalty, I can totally see him saying, "Well, then I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna retaliate. I'm taking. I'm not even waiting to take a number. I'm gonna go at it right now." And do you think maybe in the past couple of games? Um, you know, I know we have the third the third best power play uh, penalty kill in the league, but uh, do you think that penalties are kind of hurting us lately? Like even in the Islanders game, it got to a point where they panned on Cassidy and on the bench, and he just looked like he's like, "You got to be kidding me!" Because we're the fifth most penalized team in the league. Yeah, I know, and it, it does make you wonder because there were a couple of penalties there. You know, the Bacchus penalty, the more, uh, uh, you know, last night that it was like, yeah, that that's kind of a soft penalty. Um, and sometimes you do wonder. Uh, I understand that the refs have a tough job. They're seeing things so quickly. But you do sometimes wonder if, if they, when they set a certain level and then they change it. Yeah, like, like in the Toronto game, when Moore got that penalty at the end of the game, you know, nine times out of ten, the ref doesn't call that. That was just a hockey play. And, and it, it just, in the it, game, yes. Yeah, the ref gets to decide a game. It's, it's not exactly, uh, you know, uplifting for the players. No, and that that st- then you get the frustration coming out, and then you get those frustration plays um, where they they do take the frustration out, and it usually ends up costing them with somebody sitting. Now, I, I can't not ask you the question because I'm sure a lot of our listeners want to know, but have you heard anything? Because there is a rumor on the street that I'm even reading on the internet right now that we have signed JF, JFK and McAvoy. I have not seen anything yet to that effect. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't expect them to go back to BU next year. They're too good. Uh, and since BU is now out of the playoffs, you know, it's entirely possible that they've been signed. Usually it comes out right away as soon as they've been signed. But being the weekend, maybe they haven't gotten it to us yet. There's no, There's been no official uh, announcement yet sent to us. Okay. And do you think either one of them could jump in the lineup? Uh, you know, possibly McAvoy, but he tends to play with his, um, and I'm just checking my emails as I say that, just to make sure that I haven't gotten anything new. <laughs> um, he tends to play with his emotion on his sleeve, so he he sometimes ends up in the box for that reason. Um, Jay, like Marchand? Uh, what well, it's, it's sort of like Marchand, but but a little different. He just Marchand is the pest. He he has the line that that he can't that you know he gets too close to. In McAvoy's sense, it's not that he's a pest. It's just that the emotion takes over. Um, he feels like the the team's been wronged or whatever, and then he he ends up taking that retaliatory moment and ends up on the bench. Uh, sitting so uh, i've seen it a few times with him in uh, at bu this season 
but he's, you know, he's a good player. He's a smart player. Uh, JFK went through a, a dry period and then he's been really, really hot since uh, World Juniors when he was, you know, when he was sort of back and everybody else from the team was gone. Uh, so he's done a really good job. They may pull one of them up just to see. Um, obviously, if they were in a stronger position, they might have a little more flexibility with that. Uh, it, like, because I know Ryan Fitzgerald from BC played in Providence this weekend, uh, last night. So, uh, and how was he? Uh, I don't think he had anything. Uh, I didn't personally get to see him. Because uh, it was an away game, but uh, he because he sat Friday night and then he played last night. So um, they've got you know they've got a lot of younger kids that they can try out. Most of them will end up in Providence though. Um, with with the infusion of like college talent that they're going after, um, do you believe that this year's draft will be more of the same? Like keep guys close to home that they can monitor. Uh, I, I think that it, I don't think that it's necessarily close to home, guys. I think they just have seen quite a few who fit that that Bruins mentality. There's a very specific um, uh, interaction between the Bruins players, and if you're not one of those blue collar players, you don't really fit well with the Bruins team. So I think they look at college kids in general across you know across the country but it tends to be those who are in and around because they are the that blue collar mentality because that is sort of what boston is and so i think that just fits better uh, Rhonda, i got i got one for you more of a um uh, prediction kind of sort of but uh, brad marchand is obviously leading the bruins in points and he's uh, in, in league he's fourth place uh eight points behind Connor mcdavid um, can you see, do you see him breaking the 40, uh, goal mark and possibly, possibly being, uh, a leader in goals dating back to Phil Esposito and possibly points dating back to, uh, Bobby Orr? I actually do. Uh, I think if they can get back to that, to that winning mentality, that, that re-education, I do see him breaking that ceiling. Seven games remaining. It's got definitely got time to do it. Mm-hmm. With with his with the points that he's put up since Cassidy's come to the team, and the change in the way that they play, next season could be amazing for him with the amount of points he could put up. Rhonda, with we're talking about Marchand when when here in Toronto they they talk a bit about Marchand being considered with a heart. Do you? Do you think he does have a chance, or is it still really right now McDavid's to lose? Uh, you know, I I think it's probably McDavid's to lose. I wish Marchand had a better chance, but I think his pest mentality may work against him. Uh, one, one thing I noticed in the Toronto game, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's his, his status has changed. He wasn't getting the the two minute stupid penalty as much anymore because the refs were seen they were letting it go. Like, I think yeah. I mean he's he's dialed that stuff way back. I will I give him credit for that. And he I've watched him over the four years that I've been in the room just mature immensely uh, in the room even uh, when talking to the the press or just, uh, you know, if you hear him in the background, because sometimes you'll hear the guys back in the locker room, uh, you know, in the showers and stuff, 
talking and you can tell that he's matured and that he's he's become uh you know he realizes that yes it's a game but it's a game with consequences and that he was taking too many of the the penalties so you know he's always going to be the pest he's always going to be the guy that's kind of trying to ramp up the other team that way but i think he's realizing he can't get away with everything well uh you guys got any more questions i I one more and it revolves around david pasternak now we all know he's uh he's become uh, one of the stars on this team um, I, I read on the internet some people trying to tell me that his contract could start with a three or a four year four next year. What what number do you think it might start with next year for his contract? Because it's obviously he's going to be the biggest thing to do in the offseason is sign David Pasternak. Uh, you know, I would say he's probably going to be somewhere three. Um, he hasn't been as consistent. Okay, and that that will hurt him to a degree. I mean, he's a he's a bright bright kid. He has some immense talent, but he also can sometimes be easily knocked off the puck still. He, mm-hmm. you know, he had increased in size and weight immensely over this last summer, but he, and at the beginning of the season, it looked like he was going to be harder to knock off. But as we've gone into the season, and I'm sure he's lost some weight from, you know, just the season itself, he's now a little easier to remove from the puck again. And, uh, and he's, you know, that retaliatory penalty he took last night was not a smart move. So, oh, no, it's dumb. Yeah, so I think that some of that will factor into maybe a slightly lower price tag. Yeah, it's just from what I've seen, the trends in the NHL now, with like you see with Calgary, what they did with Monaghan and uh, and, and Johnny, Johnny Hockey there, it seems the teams are uh, almost taking the risk and, and giving a little bit more to keep these guys at longer term and thinking that giving them more money actually is a better idea because they won't have to pay him the 10 millions like the Canes and the Tays. Well, there is the, there is that trend and you do have to wonder, but you also have to look at, you know, the cap space that the Bruins will have or not have as the case may be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think he likes playing with David Krejci. That's his idol. So you, you've got some intangibles there that might work for him to take maybe a little less like Bergeron did when he had his, his, most recent contract. Rob, you got one? Um, I was just going to ask if um, around the Boston media, it seems to have been that Joe Haggerty and Feldrum as the main like talking points when it comes to Boston media. Um, do you see that being a trend staying down that route of kind of if the Bruins do bad, they get blasted. If they do good, there's a tiny bit of praise. Or do you think it's going to change back to being a different style of uh, journalism? I would like it to be a different style of journalism, but at present, I feel that the, that trend's going to continue. Right. All right, uh, Rhonda, thank you so, so very much for uh, joining us today. Uh, we had a blast. Um, we got a lot of great information from you. Um, again, thank you. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. I appreciate being included. Absolutely. Uh, that That is Rhonda McClure, and she can be found on Twitter at HockeyMaven1917. And please follow her uh, writings at thepinkpuck.com. Um, thanks again, Rhonda. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Rhonda. Thanks, Rhonda. 
And that was a great interview with uh, with Ron- Rhonda McClure. Um, she's such a nice person. I um, I've met her personally at development camp and um, training camp. Uh, she's she's just really nice and and she knows her stuff and we really appreciate her having her on. Definitely gonna have her on again. I hope uh, s- soon. I mean, I'd love to have her on for a, uh, a playoff talk, but we'll see what happens oh, yeah. after these these remaining games. So, um, last week was pretty frustrating for me. Uh, the Bruins did play good, in my opinion, but not good enough to get the wins. And they went on a four-game stretch with uh, no points. Um, You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. You can catch our show on the Hockey Writers Podcast channel, available at thehockeywriters.com. Did they play good in the Tampa game, though? I, you know, not the Tampa game. I, I mean, what I'm trying to say is that, that they, there were moments of, of good hockey, back and forth, fast pace. It didn't seem to me like they were laying flat down and just not giving a crap. But um, ultimately, the W is the is the goal here and, and these valuable points. Um, the games aren't going to be easier coming down the stretch, so... I just, I think, I think they just let the emotion run a bit too wild. Like they, they've been playing on that edge of emotion uh, since Cassidy took over, and kind of playing with a chip on the shoulder and doing all the dirty things, but doing them to the point that they won't get penalties for them. Uh, and I think, like you said, um, court as soon as Bergeron got hit uh, by Soshnikov in the corner, I think that was the start of it. Um, I think, it changed the momentum of the game for sure. Yeah, I think uh, Bergeron lost his head. I think he's probably gone onto the bench and had a few words with people, uh, like said some things out of anger. You could see uh, guys like McQuaid were looking to line people up for big hits, but just couldn't get it. Yeah, the, um, the, the Leafs outskated them. Yeah, and I think they was they were looking to retaliate, and that's what lost them the game. Um, and we see, we saw that all week, uh, and it's not it's not the way they've been playing. It's not the way they've been winning games. Yeah, because so. I didn't think in that game, for me being there and, and watching the game live, I didn't think either the team played that well. I I felt like they were just skating and and yeah. giving the puck away. Like both teams just it was decided... it was rush rush after rush after rush. Yeah, so and they were all set up play. Yeah, giving the puck away, giving the puck away. It was a coin flip. I, I said to my friend going in the third period, I'm like. You can flip a coin who's going to win this game. No, neither team deserves the win because they're not playing that well. Tuka actually played well, but like I was saying to Ronda, I, I noticed something after he made a couple made a couple saves. He he, he was a little uh, he's <laughs> in the TV timeouts. He kept skating around, testing out his testing out something. Don't know was what it was. Was that the um, the one with Boyle in front of the net? Yeah. And Boyle had like two chances at it, and mm-hmm. Tuka went to push off to the left post at the end and kind of tweaked something. Yeah, like he 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 played well that game. He 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 played well the Ottawa game, but as we all know, he uh, you know as as much as we all love Tuca, he he stunk out the joint in the Tampa game. Oh, for sure. But also there was was it not the uh, Tampa game where a lot of the goals? Well, two of them were one timers. That Strawman goal should not. It, well, yeah, yeah. I, there. I'm not defending him on 
stuff that he did do wrong. But <laughs> at the same time, there's some people you're not going to stop a one-timer from. No. And, um, like, a lot of the power play goals this season, you see them set up and it's just they're going for the one-timer short side. Oh, you see the, the Florida game? The, the highlights yeah. from that? There was uh, I think they did it three times in a row. Yeah. It so it, it seems to be the move. That's the that's the one that Krejci missed the net on, right? Yeah. And that was a. Uh, you, you could tell that was frustration. And did you see his face afterwards when he skated round towards Vetrano? Well, I, everybody thought it was in. Everybody, yeah. including everybody on the ice, they like everybody thought it was in. It thought he scored the goal. Yeah. Well, Krejci skated round, and the the, the uh, camera panned onto him, and you could just see him like a sigh of relief that Vetrano had got that because you I can guarantee if that didn't go in from Vetrano that game would have ended a lot differently well that that's the goal that got called back though right yeah but that gave him that I think that gave him the push to fight a bit harder to be honest are we going to mention that Riley Nash has gotten three goals in two games oh we got to resign that guy get him to an extension <laughs> quick and Dominic Moore has assists on well no he didn't get an assist on the first goal but he created it had an assist on the second and assisted on Riley Nash's last goal the the game before and sco- and tried to score the makeup goal in the the leaf game after uh, a penalty <clears throat> that should not have been called yeah and it was the most bitter sweet pill for him to score that goal you could mm-hmm. see it in his face he scored it and knew there was no time left to win but it was just horrible well speaking of speaking of hot players um and i'm not saying that to be you know you know just streaks wise (laughs) um not that there's anything wrong with that right uh exactly um riley nash is uh is on a roll uh he's been he's been putting the puck in the net obviously uh the two to one win yesterday uh last night um but I, I, I honestly have to give some praise to uh, backup goaltender Anton Hudobin, who has taken um, this coaching change, and, and I'm not sure if that's if that was it, but um, to a, uh, he brought it, his game to a higher level and is currently unbeaten. Uh, he's five zero and zero. He's got good numbers. I don't have him. Um, I don't have them. It's under two. His goals against average is under two. Yeah. So in. in well, one nine nine, isn't it? Uh, Same yeah, as McIntyre's in the AHL. Or one nine six, I think it might be. It's under two for sure. Yeah. So he's he's definitely stepped it up when when called upon, and and that's all. That's very good. You know, that's what you expect in a backup to be ready. Um, but now it it could be, be marked that they're just actually putting him in instead of. It looked like Julian would throw him in and. In a situation where he almost like has to, he's like, "Oh, I got to give Tuka a rest," not because he wants to. And it looks like Cassidy is actually, regardless of last night's game, it, the reasons why he had to go in or not. But the other starts, he started him when we never thought he should, and mm-hmm. he's he's actually starting him. The different thing is, confidence. as well, I'm, I hate to do this, but yesterday, Anton Hudobin had a horseshoe up his ass because. There was twice that he was so far out of his net, he was in the the foul play zone behind the net. Uh, there was one instance where he'd pushed him, himself so far out of the net, they had an empty net chance. And if it wasn't for, I think it was, it was Carlo John, in front. And Tavares hit three posts. That's all I got to yeah. say. 
I mean, I mean, we were lucky last night. We really were. But at the same time, he did play well. There yeah, was he did. Um, there was some really good saves by him, especially that um, wraparound try where yes. he got his pad to it. That was a great and, save. And so, and we've seen that go in a lot this year. That wraparound yeah. try. So yeah. But at the same time, him and Tukaras played two totally different types of games. Mm-hmm. Like Tukaras likes to leave his pad inside the net. <laughs> when he hugs the post, which a lot of goaltenders will tell you is a bad way to play because there's a chance that it'll sneak through. Um, yeah. Whereas Anton, Anton Hudorman likes to stick his uh, skate to the post, so there's no gap whatsoever. So but it's that... just, I think with them two, they're playing off each other now. Like, the, the, the he's giving a Tukaresk a reason to like start to fight a bit harder. <coughs> I'm not saying that um, Anton Hudobin is starter material, but uh, if Tukaras wants to play the remaining games of the season, he's going to have to push himself now with yeah. a guy who's five and zero. So uh, speaking speaking of um, yesterday's two to one win um, that I I watched, believe it or not, I did watch this, but I don't remember anything of the game. Yeah, your text messages just disappeared halfway through the game. Yeah, I was I was pretty inebriated, um, <laughs> but I I'm had I, yeah I had a very very good day yesterday, um, and and it was it was my time to you know go out and with a bang. I went to uh, uh, Palooza Seventeen in Boston. It was at the Causeway Restaurant. Um, we, we fantastic time. It was, it's a, it's a networking, um, like seminar for what we do, podcasting and blogging. And, uh, I learned a lot and, and I got to give a huge shout out to, uh, uh, Papa Bruin, Joe Gill, who set the whole thing up, uh, did an amazing job with, uh, silent auctions and giveaways and, um, he had uh, two representatives, uh, Joe Sozo, Souza, I believe his name is, uh, from Fanatics, which uh, was a, a great speaker, and uh, Sarah Biscow Blay um, from Share Sale. So they both of those guys, um, both of those people, did a great job on uh, providing information about how to make money off podcasting and blogging. So, I mean, it was a lot of fun. Um, I really shouldn't have hit the um, Sam Adams too hard, but um, I got I got and to. I know that I know a lot of people that listen to this won't have Joe Gill on Facebook, but some of those photos from yesterday are hilarious. Yeah, we all had a blast, and especially the one that you put up of you and Joe. Yeah, was yeah with the, with the blurry face. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Looks like I jumped right in there. It. Yeah. No <laughs> um. Yeah. It was a good day. It was so good of a day. I, I I got on the wrong train and went. Um. I went into the area where the trains go to get cleaned and services serviced, and I'm like, what? The, <laughs> what the hell am I doing here? So I walked to the front of the train to the conductor, and he goes, "What are you doing here?" I said, I, I think I'm on the wrong train. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and he, he escorted me to uh, a supervisor, and then the supervisor put me on a train that was going to North Station again. So uh, I, I, got, I got on the right one. 
big big fun and then and then proceeded to go with uh my wife courtney to um have more drinks at the local club that we belong to so that probably wasn't a very good idea because i'm definitely paying for it today but regardless i have to give shout outs to uh nick galesso um of clns radio uh it was a pleasure to meet him and talk to him uh sean bake um from clns radio also great to meet him um, Jimmy Murphy, I, I finally got to meet Murph and we hung out and had uh, a couple of drinks together. Uh, that guy is amazing. He is absolutely hilarious. Um, and I, 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 I do miss hearing him on the, um, the podcast with, uh, with Joe Haggerty and, uh, I miss him, uh, hearing him with ESPN radio, New Hampshire. So. It was good to hang out with him. I, I offered him a, a writing position, and he said that he'd think about it. So, Well, keep our fingers crossed. I, I hope so, right. Uh, Andrew Thompson from the Causeway crowd. He was uh, hilarious, as always. Um, he, Chirped me on Twitter. Yeah, he was He was real fun to be around. Uh, good to have a couple drinks with. Um, it, was just, it was just a great day. But uh, looking ahead to the Bruins schedule uh, this week. Uh, two home games with uh, Nashville on Tuesday night and th- Dallas on Thursday night. And after that, the it's back. Uh, I'm sorry. It's a new uh, – turning into April, we get uh, a game versus the Florida Panthers um, at 1 p.m. So uh, – those games, regardless of how Dallas is doing, uh, those games are going to be tough. And uh, and from here on out, are all going to be must-wins. But these all three, as I look at the schedule that we have coming up, because it's not the greatest um, next week. Um, I mean, this week coming up, but I mean, next week's really bad. Nashville, Dallas, Florida, those are the games we can win. Um, I will be very surprised to see who we start in net on Tuesday. Um, after what Cassidy said after the game last night about uh, Adobe, it sounds like he's leaning towards putting him in net regardless in the next game, whether Tuka's back or not, because we all know Tuka's back since McIntyre's back in the A. Right in the hot hand. Yeah. You, it, you sometimes have to. Look at Ottawa's done it almost every year when they had the Hamburglar, who yeah. you don't even know he even plays in the NHL anymore, but that guy was hot for a while, so they they wrote him. As much yeah. as I want Tuka in, and, and I, I even wrote an article about it today saying, you know, he's played he hasn't played the greatest in the last little bit, but... If we're going to be going anywhere in the playoffs, we need to grasp. We can't rely on Hudobin, whether people want to think that or not. It's, it's just not reality. Hudobin's never had the workload to do something like that. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's not like you can just turn a goalie on a dime and say, hey, you know what? You're about to play every game. Well, Dobie has had some, um, like, he, he played quite a few games in uh, for the Hurricanes when Cam Ward was out injured. So he did pay, play quite a big workload there. But at the same time, it, people are forgetting Dolby from the beginning of the season and going, what was it, 0-8? Oh, but Rob, Bruins fans never forget. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, unless they do something good and then yes. all is forgiven. No, but, it really isn't. <laughs> but, uh, well, no, Sagan, we, we, yeah. that's never going anywhere. No. Um, but at the same time, I think... You have to you have to ride him until he loses the game. Oh yeah, you, you've got to do it. And um, the only thing is, 
even if they do ride him to the playoffs, this is only going to help Tuka Rask out. If he has even the tiniest problem with one of his legs or whatever it is that's wrong with him, giving him rest is only going to make him better. So, I'm fine with it. All right. Um... You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. You can catch our show on the Hockey Writers Podcast channel, available at thehockeywriters.com. I think it's time for some prospect news. It's fired at the net, just missed by JT Comfort. Here's Notre Dame back the other way. Bjork fires, scores. Notre Dame ties it up. The uh, Pro- Providence Bruins last Sunday uh, at the Dunk Donut Center on March 19th lost to the Utica Comets by the score of 5-2. to two. Uh, Bruins goal scorers uh, showed up in the third period with Austin Zarnick scoring his third from Grizzlick and DeBrusque at 4-16. And Providence Bruins forward Kevin Porter scored his fifth from DeBrusque and Casto at 7-55. McIntyre takes the loss, uh, saving 22 of 26. Um, on Friday night, March 24th, at the XL Center, the Baby Bees beat the uh, Hartford Wolfpack by the score of 3-1. to one. Uh, First period goal, uh, Anton Bleed scores his 10th from Heinen and Curley at 19-34. Uh, second period goal, Peter Mueller scores his 10th from Porter and Eclario at 6:45. And the third period, Colby Cave gets his 13th from Hargrove and Simpson at 8.36. McIntyre gets the win, stopping 23 of 24. And last night, um, this is this is big news for me. I, I'm not sure if anybody else gets all hyped up for this guy, but, um, well, I'll mention it later. Uh, the Providence Bruins uh, beat... Albany Devils 5 to nothing at Times Union Center in Albany, New York by the uh, first period. Har- Colton Hargrove gets his eighth from Simpson at 10.58. Second period, Providence Alex Grant scores his 14th uh, from Har- Hargrove and Cave. And Austin Zarnick gets his fourth goal from Kloharik and DeBrusque, which was a power play goal. Providence Kloharik scores his 19th. From DeBrusque and Zarnick at 14:41, and Providence Danton Heinen scores his 13th from Simpson and Cave at 17:22, which is a power play goal. No scoring in the third period. 
because that's all they would need. And this is the guy that I'm talking about, Dan Vladar, with, with, with the with the movements that were made because of the Rask uh, lower body injury, air quotes, we're going to talk about that. Um, got the call from the Atlanta Gladiators of the East Coast Hockey League up to uh, the Providence Bruins and got his start last night um, and got a shutout. Five to nothing. Um, so the AHL Baby Bees, uh, they have 10 games remaining. There's 66 games played. They're 38, 19, 5, and 4 with 85 points. Uh, eight points behind Wilkes-Barre Scranton. Third in the Atlantic Division. Third in the Eastern Conference. Two-game winning streak. You can look to add to that streak with a game at 5 p.m. today against the Hartford Wolfpack on the road. So I got some um, some stats on, on Vladar. Uh, his East Coast Hockey League uh, games, he's played 16 games for the Atlanta Gladiators, and he's 5-8-1 with a tr- uh, an awful 4.09 goals against and uh, pretty horrendous .882 save percentage. Now, we've talked about this in the past, about the, the the team that's in front of Vladar is really not that good in the Atlantic and the on the Atlanta team. So his AHL stats. Now keep in mind this is a, a next level, as you guys know. It's a it's a jump up, but there's more structured players and more involvement, if you understand what I'm saying, in the AHL. So he gets a shutout last night, but also continues his no, he, he hasn't lost. In seven games played, he's 4-0-1-2 with a 2.39 goals against and a .928 save percentage. So I think that if at every level this kid's going to get up, I think he's just going to get better because the talent in front of him is getting better. Yeah. So it's good to see. I was, I was kind of like, I mean, that... That right there just tells you that there's a huge difference in in, in each in each league. So, uh, for the people that were just tearing on him in the past three or four weeks about his numbers, they just didn't understand that the team in front of him was just really not that good. Yeah, but Atlanta will probably get better next season. Oh with sure. The, uh, with the extension with the Bruins and everything. Yep, yep, that's right. Because they signed a two-year deal. Uh, which I wasn't very happy about, but it, it is good for the area. It keeps hockey down there and 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 the community. But I would really, I really wanted them to come up in Worcester. But yeah. regardless, um, OHL playoffs: Zach Sinishin and Sioux Saint Marie Greyhounds. Uh, he had no points in Thursday's five to two win over the Flint Firebirds, but had a goal in last night's six to three loss to Flint. Uh, series is tied at one apiece and back on the ice at seven tomorrow night for game three at the Dort Federal Event Center and again for game four on Wednesday night. Quebec Major Junior Hockey League playoffs. Uh, Jeremy Lawson, Rowan Naranda Huskies had a goal in Friday night's five to four loss to the Halifax Mooseheads and had a goal and an assist in last night's three to two overtime win. Uh, Lawson has three points in two games and leads the, and looks to continue that when the Huskies and Mooseheads do battle on Tuesday night and Friday night this week. Jakob's... Just really quickly. Yep. Um, with Lawson, 
I, I saw someone write the other day that um, the Bruins could pick his brother up in the draft this year. Um, and with his draft stock at the moment, looks like he's going to be a fourth-round pick. So that could be interesting to watch out for. And the Bruins do have a fourth-round pick. Yeah, and uh, his brother is Zachary Lawson, yep. I believe. Yep, that's it. Yeah. Yep. So plays defense as well. Yep. Uh, Jakob Sporl, the St. John Sea Dogs. Uh, the Sea Dogs took a commanding 2-0 lead in the first round playoff series uh, over Ramuski this weekend, uh, winning 9-2 on Friday night and 4-1 last night over the Oceanic. Zaborl has missed these two games with an apparent upper body injury, according to Jeffrey Brandau on Twitter. Uh, I reached out to Jeffrey today to ask him uh, what the deal was. And that's what he came back with, is he's suffering an upper body injury. So, that sucks. Um, WHL playoffs, Jesse Gabriel, uh, Prince George Cougars had no points in Friday's 4-2 loss over the, to the hands of the Portland Windhawks. Gabriel and Cougar team look to uh, even the series tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, after tonight's Game 2, the Cougars are in action Wednesday night. Thursday, and Saturday this week. Uh, I didn't have time to do much of the NCAA, which I'm kind of pissed at myself about, but I do have the brackets up for the NCAA tournament. Um, The first round of the playoffs, uh, Harvard played Providence, and they shut them out 3 to nothing. moving on to play Air Force, which is a, a, a very... Big surprise this year, I thought. Uh, the Air Force team played very well, but uh, didn't have enough to move on. So the uh, Harvard Crimson are now set to play the Minnesota Duluth team on April 6th, and that's on ESPN2 for those that are concerned. Boston University lost. Uh, they won 4-3 to three over North Dakota, but didn't have enough to um, beat Minnesota Duluth, they lost. Uh, Minnesota won three to two. UMass Lowell, another huge surprise. Uh, are currently playing Notre Dame right now. They shut out Cornell, and they moved on to play the Fighting Irish. And that game is um, one and nothing right now in the first period. And who else? That's basically it for anything Bruin. So. Te- um, Ryan Donato uh, moves on to the final four, frozen four, sorry. Um, I don't like basketball, so I just made a huge mistake. And um, Anders Bjork is still alive with his Fighting Irish team, so good news from uh, those those uh, players and their development. Oh, and speaking of uh, uh, prospects, uh, Ryan Fitzgerald as... Um, as Rhonda mentioned earlier, signed a three-year... Uh, was it three or two? Do you guys know? Two-year. Two-year. Two yeah, two-year yeah. entry-level deal. So, And he was uh, with Providence this weekend. So, That's... Also, Emilio Hansen uh, signed. With the bees? With him. Yeah. Okay. I didn't, even, I didn't even know that. Like I said, I'm still in a fog. That's why I yeah, have... It was... It was both Emilio Hansen, 
the defense. Oh, 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 Emil. Yes, 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 yes. I did know that. And uh, um, I believe he's on a three-year deal. Yes. Um, because he's he's only 19, I think. Yep. Yeah, something like that. Yep. So um, they're, they're two good guys to get in. Um, yep, Fitzgerald is, is a grindy guy. And yep. he goes in and definitely blue-collar, like Ronda said. Uh, fits the Bruins mold. Yeah, he's he's definitely uh, he's a smaller player. Um, I'm not sure his expectations or any or, uh, fans' expectations on on an NHL career. Um, a lot of people say a lot of scouts that I've been reading say that he's going to be um, a good depth player for the the minor league system for the bees. But um, after his two years, I'm not sure if the uh, if he will crack an NHL roster. But like I said, a lot of the scouts are saying that he could potentially go over and, and have a real successful career in Europe. You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. You can catch our show on the Hockey Writers Podcast channel, available at thehockeywriters.com. Yeah. So. And uh, Emilio Hansen is exactly the same. Um, like, he's not going to be a superstar from the looks of things anyway. But... Right. Um, like he could he could be a good depth player for the Bruins. Um, got a good good early pass, a good breakout defenseman, uh, good with his body as well. So I mean, the two good signings, but I think they're kind of overshadowed by the whole McAvoy JFK thing that's going on. Oh sure. I think a lot of a lot of players are, but um, like. To fans, I just I wouldn't really worry about it. Like they're either coming this year or they're not. There's no reason to panic. I don't think either JFK or McAvoy is really gonna. I don't think they'd even make the NHL roster. I don't think Cassidy had put someone in like that straight away. And I think everyone on the defense score has earned the right to play at the moment. All right. So, Court, what do you think? Uh, to be honest with you, I, I 100% agree with Rob. Like I, I believe I said last week, the only reason Toy Krug ever got a chance when he did in that playoff is because of the injuries. Yeah. Um, yeah two two take, defensemen down at the time. Taking away a roster spot, especially when the team is going through a little bit of turmoil right now, it's just not a good idea. It's it's not a good message to send to the players. That, 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 hey, and I know that, you worked Especially Colin Miller. He's worked so hard all year, and then you, you're because he's going to be the odd man out, we're going to be like, all right, so you're down. And that's exactly what I said to a bunch of writers and podcasters at this event um, yesterday. They were they they were preaching for McAvoy, and I just said, you know, that that is a potential um, wrench in the gears of chemistry that this team has right now. And 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 we all know, Rob Court, you guys all know, you're smart enough to know that this Bruins manage this Bruins. Sorry, the Bruins ownership. They are so penny pinchers. They want to maximize the most out of every contract. So yeah. I don't see a kid that's going to be on an entry-level deal, you know, making $800,000 being replaced by a guy that's been on the team all season making two point five or whatever, you know. Yeah. I mean, and and the fact is that you're not playing Joe Morrow. So what are you going to do? You're going to, you're going to take up Joe Morrow's spot and put – a McAvoy in there as your seventh D and, and not play him all the time. If it's going to be a situation like that, the kid's going to go back to school. 
It just well, he can't go back to school. If well, if he signs, yeah. If if he if well, um, if he happens to know that he's not going to get playing time, that he's not going to yeah. report to the AHL. He's going to stay in school. But I, I do agree with Rondo on the fact that, uh, from what I saw in the World Juniors, we we need the kid next year. Whether he's in the Bruins or the AHL, he, he yeah. doesn't need to play with college anymore. He's he's better than those guys. He's, right. He's Plus already the thing up. is, he could get a year down in. The, he could take a year in the AHL and just dominate down there mm-hmm. and i mean the, the bruins have a really bad system of any time anyone's doing good in the ahl they seem to give them a shot at the nhl other than coco chev right Hashtag coco gate but, <laughs> oh, um, <okay. laughs> yeah it's still going um yeah but like I, I just think a year down there just to constantly play every single game as a top pair in defenseman because if chara doesn't leave next year He's going to play alongside Tory Crew, right? And then, who do you play below him? I just, I don't understand how they're going to do it. But um, like, it just, it just really doesn't make sense. But did anyone see Kevin Miller in the game last night? That that Deke when he came into the zone, did no yeah. one see that? Yeah, I they're like skating backwards, toe dragged round one of the players. What? Where did that come from? That's crazy, but what? I, I, this is why I think he's definitely going to be the guy who goes to LA. Uh, not LA, Las Vegas. Sorry, I think he's he's shown he's a multi-tool player this year, and I think he's going to get picked up. Uh, one thing I did want to mention and um, like I forgot to, but I'm going to do it now. Um, former Bruin. Gary Dolt passed away at the age of 71 yesterday. He played 14 seasons for the for the Bruins. Um, passed away of cancer, um, which is too bad. Uh, good defenseman. I don't remember um, watching him. I I, I I know he was a good player from the videos that I've seen. He was a you know real shutdown kind of D type. But um, uh, from everybody here at the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast um, to his family and friends that we. we Sorry for your loss. So, yeah. And and on a on a little bit of a brighter page, uh, has anyone seen the video for Craig Cunningham? Yes. He returned. Yes, we did. Yeah. That was uh, awesome. That is that is amazing, and the um, what he's gone through over the past few months is crazy, and to see him walking around unaided, yep. is just amazing. Yeah, so. if 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 nobody knows, Craig Cunningham is a former Bruin, um, played uh, uh, very few games with the NHL team, but um, spent some time with the uh, AHL Providence Bruins. Um, collapsed a while back on the ice uh, in in pregame warmups and um, suffered a really bad uh, bad injury. Um, it was more or less uh, heart related. Um, but he needed to have um, a bit of his foot removed and leg removed to save his life. And um, just for him to keep pushing uh, the way it is with a prosthetic um, is a is a it was a great thing to see in the video. And um, best of luck to him as well. Um, hashtag Cunny Can, you know. All right. So anything else, boys? 
Uh, one thing, uh, Patrice Bergeron this week uh, with one of his assists uh, became the uh, the fourth Bruin to have 10 seasons of 30 assists or more. Sweet. We don't pay you the big bucks for nothing. It's kind of, it, that, when you think about it, 30 assists, 10 yeah. times, it's yeah. crazy. That is, cool. that is awesome. Just a complete player. I really like Bergy, and I just, you know, he's going to get his, um, he's going to get his due when I believe his no- next year. Yeah, I yeah, believe his, I believe his number is going to be raised to the roof. Oh yeah, on that you know? on that team, I think there's only possibly two. You you could have Chara or Berger, Bergeron or Chara are probably the only ones on the current roster right now. Uh, Marshawn is just not there yet. Yep. Um, that could have it up there because Chara, oh, what he's done for this franchise. Yeah, Chara is definitely going to be. I think they'll raise Chara in the rafters. Never mind about his number. Mm. Yeah. No. I think they'll freeze him and put him in a glass tube. <laughs> like, well, I, I also think with, with him getting his real estate license and, and so on, because, you know, so many people are like, oh, trade him. You can't. He's got a no trade clause. And he's he's not never leaving. Yeah. Um, he will retire a Bruin, and I think he will stay in the Boston area, and he probably will work with the organization. Yeah. Cool. Maybe he'll I mean, even sell me a house. Can you imagine Can you imagine him as the next strength and conditioning coach? Oh, oh boy. If if like he, he if he, yeah if he's anything like like John Whitesides man that's scary. <laughs> yeah, but like, can you imagine seven foot tall John Whitesides? <laughs> no, looking down at you. Push, push it, push it. <laughs> oh my god! Hey, did you see um, last year uh, the behind the B episode where they were doing the pull up contest and uh, Zach Trotman beat. Chara's record. Yeah. Did you see Chara's face? Yeah. Oh my god. You could just tell that like Trotman was getting a beating when he went back, like behind the curtain. Because <laughs> oh, that was funny. But yeah, that. Well, to be fair, Chara has been the bear of the Bruins for the past what, at least five years. Like the real workforce behind it. Uh, uh, prop. Well, a lot more. But I mean. When you say don't poke the bear, the only guy on that team that comes to mind is Chara, to me at the moment. Sure. Um, so, I mean, he's definitely... I think he'll even be a Hall of Fame guy, will Chara? He will. It, yeah, I wouldn't think about it. He will be. Yeah. Thomas Thomas ruined his by going crazy, so he'll never be there. Um, yeah. But Chara will. Definitely. So, is that it, boys? That's it. Yeah. That was episode a, 50. Episode Done. 50. And many more. I can't wait. I look forward to it. We love doing this. Um, we got to thank Rhonda McClure of pinkpock.com and for for her awesome appearance today. That was really cool of her to take some time to talk to us. Um, I, I follow us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at black and gold 277. Court is at court Lalonde. And Rob is Rob Forty Bruins. Uh, also follow the show's uh, Twitter account, Black, the letter N, Gold Pod. Um, you can find the show on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Player FM, SoundCloud.com, and Stitcher Radio. And uh, please go to iTunes and give us a comment and a rating. We definitely appreciate it. Also, if if it, if you want to reach out to the to the um, the show and any questions or anything we've gotten i've gotten a few emails from a couple people but uh you can 
get in contact with me, um, black and gold hockey blog dot uh, at gmail.com. So you can there's another way to reach out uh, either Twitter or, or email. We'd love to hear from you. All right, boys, that's that's another week. That's episode 50. It's hopefully the bees um, come and show up this week and, you know, get that playoff push. Currently sitting in the second uh, wildcard position, and I'd like to see him back in the fold in the Atlantic Conference. I mean, Atlantic Division, so. Yeah. And BU Watch will continue. Yeah. While we're off air. Exactly. And I'm sure we'll be saying exactly the same thing next week. Yep. So, have fun. All right, thank you every much. Uh, thank you everyone. Um, we really appreciate the support and, and the constant listens. Uh, you guys are amazing. It just drives us to to get better and and keep doing them. So, also I, I got to give shouts out to these two uh, knuckleheads, Rob and and Court. You guys are awesome. Um, I've gotten so much uh, good feedback from uh, a lot of listeners, and the addition of Court just just steps up our game. So, amazing job, guys. I, 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 this wouldn't be a team without you, so. Same to you, Willie. You Same to you, great guys. job as well. Oh, yeah. All right, guys. Take care, and we'll see you guys all next week. Thanks for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please join us next week for another discussion of Bruins hockey-related material.